Okay, there's a closure violation west on Antelope, dark green Jeep or Land Cruiser with a black rack on it, and it entered the forest just a few minutes ago. I'll copy that, so I'll, I'll contact uh, Patrol 2-1 then. Affirmative, thanks. The summer of 2002 was the worst summer for wildfires in Arizona since it became a state. About 150 miles southeast of the Coco Nino National Forest, a massive fire threatened the mountain town of Sholo. George Leach is a firefighter who was part of the initial attack crew. And within a period of approximately seven hours, that fire went from about 600 acres or 700 acres right at that range to just under 50,000 acres. We were dealing with flame links that in some cases, I swear, were pushing 1,000 feet. We had people on it, air tankers on it, within about five minutes of them reporting. Air tankers filled with red flame retardant fought the fire from above. But fueled by high winds and arid conditions, the blaze proved especially challenging. When it rages like this and it's so unpredictable, there's nothing that you can do. It's just really a raging monster right now, and uh, we just have to sit and try to figure out how we're going to attack it. Shadeen Palmer is a fire information officer with the White Mountain Apaches. Their tribal land was devastated by the fire. It is very scary and it's heartbreaking because uh, not only are the families most likely losing their homes and their property, but the tribe is losing very valuable uh, forest lands, prime timber lands, that a lot of the citizens of the reservation depend on for their livelihood. So this is heartbreaking. The rodeo fire consumed half a million acres, and that won't be the last time for fires of this magnitude. Yet it is hard to plan for these kinds of fires, not to mention droughts. The climate events that trigger these disasters are like a chain reaction, and the key is to understand what starts it off. That's what climatologists like Stephen Lord are trying to do. If a drought lasts for six months, and we can give a one-month lead for that six-month drought. I think that would be a very, very positive thing for the nation. It will tell emergency managers and public figures how to begin to uh, manage their resources better so that the public will not be as affected. Lord is the Director of Environmental Modeling at the National Center for Environmental Prediction. It's an effort by the federal government to understand how the interrelated parts of climate change work together. To do that, scientists use supercomputers to process millions of pieces of information, information that comes from weather balloons, satellites, ships, and even commercial airliners. Every time an airplane goes up and flies from New York to Denver or Denver to Los Angeles or what have you, we get automated observations of temperature and winds at flight level from those airplanes. So we get about 70,000 or 80,000 observations per day from aircraft. Every six hours, a computer with the power of a thousand of the fastest PCs processes these readings through a set of mathematical equations that make up the model. Scientists are looking for relationships. How, for example, does a shift in humidity change wind direction? So how do they figure out these relationships? Have you ever seen this game that's composed of horizontal groups of nails and you drop a ball bearing or something like that from the top and it goes clunk, 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 clunk? Think, says Stephen Lord, that the ball is a set of mathematical equations. The ball bounces around and rests in a group of nails. Well, a model is a bit like doing that. 
because we're trying to really assess the probability of any type of weather event happening. Now, every time the ball goes from the top to the bottom, that could be a model run. And theoretically, you're supposed to give a nice even distribution across. By running the model many times with a slightly different set of initial weather conditions, the results provide a range of all possible outcomes. So when we run an ensemble, it's like dropping that ball bearing 20 times or 30 times or 100 times. But the balls don't land evenly spread out. And of course, it's not in the meteorological sense when we make a model. It's not going to be even along the bottom. It's going to be grouped in one area. This grouping, or cluster, represents the probability of a particular climate event occurring. That sort of represents the weather, whether it'll be a cloudy day, or a rainy day, or a windy day. 